Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co-hosts, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, uh, FA Cup edition on the match review. And I do have to give myself a little shout out. Uh, we got the what? Canners t-shirts. I'm wearing it in the YouTube video or clips. Maybe Bruce can get an image because Dan sure shit can't get a good screenshot on any of these Twitter promos. But uh Lovely, Nick. You ordered these for the group, and thank you. Yeah, we look. We want to support Canners. Uh, he went through a little bit of a rough patch back in February, and uh, you know, thankfully, doing much better. You know, was up and around the bridge a couple of days ago, which is great to see. And look, I mean, he's a club legend and and one of the nicest people we've ever had the chance to talk to. And so, uh, if you're able to help support some of his expenses, uh, we we would encourage you to. Uh, to go to the link he's been posting it, his foundation's been posting it, the Love Football Hate Racism group has been posting it. Just go purchase some shirts. They look great and uh, and supports canners. So we, we highly encourage that. Cosign. Yeah, that is absolutely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, besides Nick and Dan, my loyal co-host, we also have esteemed guest, fellow friend of the pod, Nisar Kinslovegoal.com more affectionately known as Naz, what the United fan. What's up? Yeah, right. How's it going? <laughs> uh, we are so glad to have you back. You were at Wembley if uh, your social media account is to be believed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a didn't have somebody in disguise, you know, entering. It was it was indeed me. And it was yeah, it was good. It was good. I was sat in the Chelsea end as well. Um, so that was fitting. Um, no fans, of course, but um, yeah, big flags and and yeah, it was a it was a great day. But yeah, the sun was shining. Uh, we get terrible sandwiches at Wembley, but hey, they're the only it's the only stadium that feeds us. So at the moment, we used to get fed at all the grounds. Um, some some teams are better than others, you know. Chelsea top of the league in that regard, food wise. Um, but yeah, Wembley was right up there as well. But just sandwiches and uh, Mars bars at the moment. But hey, you can't really complain, you know. After a strict lockdown, we'll we'll take whatever we can get. Um, and yeah, that's that's what my Wembley experience is like. When we have you on this summer, we got to commit to doing this. We got to do a uh, Premier League journalist food table, oh, one yeah. to twenty, 
all the way down. And we got to really make this a thing because I am actually pretty curious about that. Yeah, I could easily do that. The worst ones are the more interesting, <laughs> the better ones as well. I can tell you that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Maybe it's this, a reverse 20 yeah. to 1. Making a note to save that for the summer Yeah, yeah. right now. Perfect con, con yeah, a uh, little little good bit of content and get a couple of the journal friends as well and, and create a little bit of a panel just yeah. so we get a little bit of discrepancy. So there's a discussion. Burnley. Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, hey, Naz, we're looking forward to having you on for this one. Obviously, like I said, you're you know at Wembley for this one, taking it all in. Sadly, it sounds like the last match at Wembley with no fans, we missed it by 24 hours. Um, but we'll get into that. So before we jump into the, the, the match review, we always like to give you a preview of what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to be talking about how Thomas Tuchel and the Blues took on Pep and his 12-man army, <laughs> Dan, hinting at something there, at Wembley to come home away with a trip to the final bomb one avoided. Highlight some of the individual performances that made sure Chelsea punched their ticket and obviously dealer's choice at the end of what we may have missed. So in proper fashion dan three word match review there were as usual some tasty ones absolutely delicious well it makes it easier when chelsea book a ticket to the final of any cup so this one uh Ganazagia with the foden semi misfire which was uh one there ernie with the weekend wembley winners Eric Muggle with the Cobham Never Forgets. I think that's a little uh, 10-year Game of Thrones anniversary kind of vibe there. That's what I was getting. Uh, Bob with Pep's guard is over. <laughs> that's four. That's definitely try- four, Bob. Yeah, he's, well, I, I think he tried tried to make it, you know, play in the name. I was giving him a little credit there. Uh, Craig with the Chelsea Tears quad. Andrew Ooh. with the coming of age. Maybe the, you know, young cool. Chelsea side finally getting there. Ch- uh, Chip with this, the Suck It Oasis. Sorry, Naz. <laughs> um, Adi with the Tuchel Tactics Triumph. Samantha with the True Blues Triumphs. And then Mark, of course, with the Perennial. Why not us? Double question marks. It's making it harder. This, every show gets harder with this stuff. Every show. Well, it's funny because I did see Liam Gallagher getting some tweets and some things yesterday as well. And Twitter actually just recommended... Uh, I follow him, so uh, might need to work on on Twitter's algorithm there. Uh, but from the host side, I put, and this is a continuation from the Champions League, is learning to win. Not just in general, but learning to win in pressure-filled situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning to win when the margins are extremely tight. Uh, kind of in like these do-or-die, win-or-go-home type scenarios as we like to use that a euphemism in America. So again, watching this team go out, execute a plan, and realistically, just be so, so hard to beat um, and nicked a goal. It wasn't pretty, but it went in the back of the net. Not once, but twice. We got one that counted. <laughs> it was good. Three times. Three good. times. Three times. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> just didn't want to make it seem like we were that bad about offsides. But anyways, uh, learning mm-hmm. to win. So, Nick, what about you? Uh, I went with City Walls Breached. I don't think beating City one time is is necessarily the end of their reign of terror in England, but uh, I do think it was a a marker for Chelsea that, you know, if you think about when we played them in the Premier League in December, it was a complete and utter domination that they put on display. This was a cold, calculated Chelsea performance, and I think 
Maybe just part of a wall crumbled a little bit. Maybe just a little bit of a wall. Not all of it, but a little bit. Like the the exterior wall, but then there's still like another wall, right? So there's just plenty like, of walls. Yeah, they have a lot yeah. of money. They've built a big <laughs> castle. But um, but yeah, there, I think there's a little method to this madness. I like it. Uh, is there a moat? I hate, I hate moats. Oh, they have a big moat. <laughs> You've gone for so sure. far off. Oh my gosh. Massive All right, moat. fine, fine. Gators man. in there and everything. The yeah. creative writing major. Fine, let us bring yeah. it back. <laughs> Ooh, I'm Dan. You know. What What did you have, Dan? Us? Why not? Oh, no. Come Let's on. Let's go. Let's go. It's harder to deny the closer you get to finals. <laughs> I will say that. Exactly. <laughs> 90 minutes potentially plus stoppage and kicks away from lifting another piece of silverware. Naz, uh, over to you, sir. I was thinking um, I go to Wembley a lot now with this job, so Chelsea second home uh, was one of mine. <sighs> Love that. How long have you been covering Chelsea again? Uh, five, over five years now, so bloody long. I've been to Wembley so many times, man. Um, they keep denying your transfer request at goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> At least at Wembley, I get to see some uh, neutral venues, you know, territory. But yeah, Chelsea seem to win most of the time as well. I mean, I was kind of fancying Chelsea yesterday, but yeah. Um, I was also thinking City's dominance challenged, but yeah, then then Nick's one was too similar. So I, I had to change last minute. You know, the, the U.S. Um, broadcast 12-man was just unimpressed with City the entire day. And I put that in our group chat and I was like, mm-hmm. what does he see that I don't? But, you know, maybe I haven't watched enough of City um to understand i definitely felt like their claws in the game but but naz i think seeing drogba tweet about getting to wembley after the match kind of quote teaming chelsea i just kind of said well that's done i mean if drogba <laughs> has blessed an fa cup final at wembley it is done <laughs> yeah yeah if only he was there to sort of like you know give timo a little bit of extra confidence a bit of a bit of mojo We'll, we'd take that any any time. Um, all right. Well, real quick, last thing before we get into uh, the review itself is the gratitude. So huge shout outs to Jägermeister, Joshua, and Justin, uh, and Andrew P., who all subbed uh, to the Patreon for new. Make sure you get the Discord uh, links. Dan, Apple Podcasts, absolute flooding. People want to have their names read out on the podcast. And we appreciate that. They do. That. Lots, lots of five-star reviews this week. We had Just Want to Watch Kimmel, who gave Nick a shout-out for his Marvel references. Um, BJ Kissel. We had CD Meyer 79 We had Kurt Zuma's Forehead. Um, that's an interesting username. Uh, Jorit Meyer from the Dutch Blues, giving us a little love as well. Uh, Berger7. Uh, Garrett's Wife's Phone. Which was uh, wonderful. Up? Thank you, Garrett. All, <laughs> anyone with a spouse, take note of what you can do with the power of a second device. Go. Uh, and your Bon 1989 and then TKP45, all leaving some wonderful five-star reviews. I got one thing to say to TKP45. Yeehaw! <laughs> all right. We're good. Uh, so leave a five-star Apple Podcast review. We'll shout it out and read some stuff and apparently do yeehaws in the next episode if you leave five stars. Yeah, those those reviews had me dancing like Baron Zemo at, at the club, you know? Just... Mm. Wow. Uh, mm. This is terrible. Mm. Can we get All through right. housekeeping and go to the match review? Sure can, Dan. Um, look, we have Brighton on Tuesday. Unfortunately, that's a Tuesday match, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, probably the second worst time for a Premier League match. 
then Friday afternoon or Monday, which are tied for first. Um, so we have that. So we'll be coming out on Wednesday with an episode. And then uh, we have Abby McCarthy making her first appearance on the show. We're really super excited to have her join for post West Ham. Uh, and that's next Saturday. That's the big one. So really excited about that. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the main event here, it is uh, the official match review of Chelsea versus Manchester City. It was the FA Cup semifinal at Wembley this past Saturday, the 17th of April. Also my father's birthday, so shout out Papa Busby. At Wembley Stadium, scoreline in case you missed it, Chelsea, not three, but one to Man City's all but nothing nil. And we have XG to back that up, which will be sweet. No highlights on this one, unfortunately. Chelsea don't put them up for cups. Uh, so, in case you missed it, it was the one and only Hakim Ziyech with the goal-winning uh, goal. Dan, take us through the lineup. How do we get there? <clears throat> well, it was uh, Keparifa Balaga and his wonderful haircut between the sticks. Uh, Cesar Azpilicueta. Count Kepa? You look you a little vampire <laughs> thing going on there. He does have a widow's peak as well. A ton of a ton of product in that thing. I mean, that's a helmet. That's <laughs> a Lego the, helmet. Because you know how everyone gets gives Chili B a hard time for putting his his fingers through his hair, you know, <laughs> fluffing it and stuff. As a goalkeeper, that ain't happening with those gloves. <laughs> like, the, it, once you put the gloves on, the hair it's done. It is what it is. Well, anyway, it was Cesar Espelicueta, Thiago Silva, and Antonio Rudiger uh, who were the defensive three. Mm. Uh, Reese James, Golo Conte, Jorginho, and Ben Chilwell as the four. Hakim Ziyech, Mason Mount, and Timo Werner as your attacking three. Substitutes included Christian Pulisic, Kurt Zuma, Kai Havertz, and Emerson off the bench. You saw Marcus Alonso, Willie Caballero, Olivier Giroud, Hudson Adoy, and Billy Gilmore as the unused substitutes. And someone who didn't make the bench. Well, even. well, yep, yep. We'll get it. We'll definitely, definitely touch on that. Possession, uh, Chelsea. Uh, playing the underdog with 45% possession. We had five total shots, three of them on target. To Manchester City's 11 shots, three on target as well. We had three corners to their six. We had 12 tackles to their 11, which really is the definitive stat line on the match, which proves why we won. Uh, two cautions to their three. Another talking point, because mm. uh, there were no red cards. XG, though. Uh, halftime of Chelsea, Manchester City, Chelsea 0.29 to Manchester City's 0.13. Full-time, Chelsea 1.42 to Manchester City's 0.76. Naz, dealer's choice here. Lineup, maybe subs bench. Stats, XG. What out of all of those three things uh, is your first talking point you want to pull out? Well, yeah, I guess XG, because, you know, that kind of sums up, like the algorithm sums up whether, you, you know, you've dominated a match, you've turned it into something, you know, you've produ produced chances and stuff like that. So, yeah, the fact that Chelsea won out on XG pretty comfortably um, kind of sums up that they played well. But I also thought the possession stat as well, um, the fact that Chelsea were matching City throughout the match, I thought that was, um, yeah, very significant that, you know, Tuchel managed to get on the ball against Man City. We know what they're like. They're, they're hungry for the ball. Um, and that's how they hurt teams. They almost like a, they're like a boa constrictor that, you know, just sort of keep possession, sort of patiently, you know, waiting for their moment to strike. And then they, they hit you. Um, and that's the way Man City play. But the fact Chelsea had their equal share of possession, that must have 
thrown out their usual game plan. Um, and Chelsea have always been good with possession, um, you know, pretty much since Sarri's time, even under Lampard and now Tuckle as well. Um, why not, you know, fight fire with fire? I thought that was thought that was fascinating, um, you know, that part of the game. All right. I like I honestly, there's just so many things we could get into with this. I'm wildly impressed uh, keeping Man City to 0.76 goals against, um, you know, they tend to score more than they let in is kind of their approach. But uh, Dan, not only is there stats for the teams and everyone, but even a couple for the gaffer. Yeah, these are these are cool ones. Uh, so up to Joe that uh, Chelsea's Thomas Huckel has become the first ever German manager to reach an FA Cup final. So wunderbar. And then uh, Julian Lorenz uh, put a tweet out that was uh, wildly retweeted and quote tweeted. But in three months of Chelsea, Thomas Huckel has now beaten Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, Diego Simeone twice, Jose Mourinho and Carlo Ancelotti, and all without conceding a single goal in either of those six matches. Wild. Mind blown. Wild. Strong tweet. Absolutely wild. Just, just want to let that settle in a little bit. Let it marinate. Yeah. Let it season. Uh, because we're going to take a quick ad break. When we're back, we're jumping right into uh, Thomas Tuchel getting his first victory over Pep, getting into the FA Cup final, and and talking about what that means for the club. So thanks these sponsors for financially supporting the show. When we're back, it's all the good stuff. Here we go. All right. How? Dan starts us off. How has Thomas Tuchel gotten his first career victory over Pep? And it came in the FA Cup semifinals versus arguably one of the best teams in the world at this very moment. If you look at the the 538 probabilities, they're going to win it all until today. So was this a case of any given Saturday or was there something specific that you all would like to call out? So again, kind of get your get your arguments ready lawyers but naz from your standpoint maybe we can talk about the the first thing that happened with the lineups right too cool making three changes pep making eight changes everyone loves to say oh city's second 11 is better than most teams first 11 Tuchel said fine let's play and i'm going to keep my starting 11 um thoughts on the lineups and kind of from the very beginning how how it went because i know when we looked at chelsea's lineup a lot of questions especially in the attacking three you look at city's lineup and you're still like yeah well it's still city the system is is most important for them yeah i thought city would change it up a lot because they had a day less rest so that was one thing against city um that was in chelsea's favor before the match so but didn't um, chelsea stay in spain an extra day yeah, they did. Yeah, they stayed in the hotel and had like a little bubble and they had like a little restaurant experience. They had a, a bit of wine and beer and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, the players that do drink were allowed to drink a little bit, which is which is nice. Um, and yeah, I think that was sort of like, you know, managing the psychology of the sport as well, because, yeah, I mean, tiredness in football is a physical thing, but then there's that mental thing because you got pressure, you know, top four. I mean, every game Chelsea playing now, is going to be big, going to be intense and, and hard to handle. Um, and then, and you know, this was one of the biggest games, um, you know, in the next few weeks. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was smart. It was interesting management. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that's going to get thrown in the manager's face if Chelsea get beat. You're going to be like, oh, Chelsea were hungover, whatever, all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was great, bold. And it shows that Tuchel has that human touch as well. Maybe you sense something in the group that... You know, maybe they need a bit of a lift. Maybe they need that moment. Um, and Tuchel hasn't really found those moments to connect with his squad 
it's been um, like, you know, sprinting on a treadmill for him since he's coming at Chelsea, you know, just a few sessions and then games. There's not been a, a really a week where they've, they've been able to build up to a match. So um, to try and get, you know, a day in Seville, which is a very hot city, if, if you guys don't know, um, it's a very beautiful, warm city. I think that was um, maybe a little bit of a masterstroke. But yeah, before the game, um, yeah, lineup wise, I thought it was going to be the same as Porto. I thought it was going to be exactly the same. You know, when I was doing my predicted 11, I'd like Pulisic and Kai Havertz in there and, and Mendy. But yeah, fair play to him. Trust in Kepper. I thought that's great. Um, you know, I'll tell you who'll love that is the board. Because if Chelsea are to sell Kepper, they can say, look, We've got a great goalie in Mendy, but Kepa's doing it in cup semi-finals and finals as well. I mean, surely he'll play in the final now as well um, after proving himself. Okay, he wasn't under that much pressure, but he didn't do anything wrong. Um, and, you know, Mendy, a lot of his clean sheets have been, you know, great defensive performances as well. So you can't throw that at Kepa. Um, So, yeah, I think that's great. Great for his confidence and stuff like that. And, and it just felt like it was so nice to see a man who's been ridiculed, not just by fans of Chelsea, but fans of other clubs. You know, I hate seeing the pylon that footballers get and, and Kepa's had it worse than almost anyone uh, in, in world football in the last year. So it was great to see him have that positive moment, I thought. Um, and it's a, it's just a beautiful thing to see in sport in general. Um, and then, yeah, Werner and, and Ziyech are great players, but the fact they, they played, I think, was owed a lot to the way City play, you know, um, spacing behind, running behind, and they played so close together. They both played quite centrally, and Mount was out on the wing, and um, they were trying to overload the flanks. Mount kind of just drifting to spots to overload um, the wide areas. Um, I thought there's loads of interesting tactical elements, and, and that's what makes the win even more satisfying, I think, because it was like a tactical battle, um, and yeah, and Tucker won, and Guardiola lost. And that, that's so significant for the future because City are going to be up there. Um, as long as Guardiola's at the club, I can't see City ever, you know, not being the team to beat in England. And, and Chelsea have to have to do something to beat them. Yeah, I, I wanted to pick up on that because I think the thing that I wanted to see yesterday was a contrast in styles. Um, I think it is relatively suicidal to go at City the way that they want to play and play fast and play try to play with possession dominance like Liverpool are the only team at their pomp who could really come close in that regard um, to, to playing with City so you know I think for Tuchel to take a page out of Antonio Conte's book and just try and play a shithouse style control the tempo of the game and to basically not let anything through I mean to, to have to limit City to three shots on target is an achievement. I mean, it really is. Like there, and and to be honest, a couple of those were super comfortable. Kep only had to make like one little save at the end of the game uh, when he went down to his right, and, and that it. was it. Yeah, a little bit, but um, <laughs> but but that but that was it. I mean, really, the others were like deflections that he caught in his chest. I mean, mm-hmm. th- this was you know, City got nothing out of this game really. And the style I think was really important. You know, not only has Thomas Tuchel now shown that he can shit house with the likes of Porto and, and Atletico Madrid, which are, are tough teams to beat in their own right, but he can also set up the team to suffocate really talented attacking teams too. And I think as, as we've said before, Dan, I'm really comfortable 
right now in the way that this team is playing against those more possession dominant teams, because I think it allows us for more possession or more counterattack opportunities and faster counterattack opportunities. Sure. And I think, you know, you saw the way I, the thing I really enjoyed was just the space uh, both of the wingbacks got into in this match. I think both Reese James and Ben Chilwell enjoyed a lot of opportunity to get up up the pitch and both were actually extremely uh, press resistant in this match. I mean, there, I think the couple of times that city tried maybe a ball over the top, tried to get a little bit, just, you know, Chilwell and Reese really were on top of it. And I think they had to abandon trying that. And then they had to try to play on the ground. And at that point you have, Jorginho and Conte and Aspilicueta and Rudiger all stepping up to prevent any type of link pass or sustained kind of pressure that they were able to build. And so I think really only in the, it was at the end of the first half. And then really after the subs came on, uh, when, when Gundogan came on and, uh, who was it? Um, Foden came on. That's when you yeah. saw then the second spell where City looked like they were in the game, looked like they could try to manufacture something. But really outside of that, I felt Brandon Chelsea were in control. You know, even without the ball, Chelsea had the rigidity mm-hmm. in place. They were maintaining strong lines. They were staying where they needed to be. Players were coming up to the challenges, whether it was Mason on Fernandinho or, you know, Chilwell on anyone. Uh, all of them were doing a really great job. So I think obviously that's been the key to Tuchel's success this season, you know, moving to the back three, back five, locking up uh, the defensive organization. So we're hard to beat and we'll come back to the attack. But if we if we look into the script, gentlemen, at the pass maps and even even the 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 graphic where it has the Chelsea 11 overlaid with the Manchester City 11. Um, this is funny, Shane, you should see this because this will prove that like formation is nothing but uh, 11 players on a pitch because this doesn't look like uh, uh, maybe necessarily a 3-4-3. Three, three. And that just shows that we were very defensively oriented today, you know, definitely playing with a back five, even Mount dropping in to almost make it a back three to make it a 5-3-2 at times. Um, and then you even see on the pitch with the, the passing maps here, right? A lot of Ben Chilwell to Rudiger, a lot of Aspie to Reese James, right? There's a lot of play between those those areas of the pitch. And then also, we're much closer to our box than what we normally see on these uh, pass maps. Usually we are uh, well into the 50-yard line for another American reference on this one. Uh, usually we are, are, are back three or at the half line or just behind, and then the rest of our players are in the attacking half. Quite the opposite here. I think we only have about two and a half players in the attacking half on this. And again, it just goes to to Tuchel's record, right? He's got 14 clean sheets since he came in, more than any other team in the European top five leagues, thanks to Opta Joe talking about that. This was always going to be his way to, as an experienced manager, we've seen it. When Jose Mourinho comes into a club, the first thing he does is lock down the defense. We'll figure out the goals later. Um, And that is something that he's hopefully starting to do. But defensively, they're absolutely locked down. The questions on this team are still in attack. We had another new combination up top. Do you, can, do you have something? Can, first can I just on the, on the defense before we move forward? Cause I, I want to get proper uh, credence to this. Where do city hurt you? Typically they hurt you by getting in behind and cutting back. Like they, mm-hmm. that is their like one, a plan, right? 
when when they are not able to, and Torres is supposed to be playing a winger, Sterling's supposed to be playing a winger, when they're not able to get behind, what you saw is they really struggle. And they don't take a, a huge amount of shots from distance either. Like, obviously, De Bruyne can, but he was suffocated too. I mean, he didn't have a ton of time on the ball. I don't think he had a touch for the first seven minutes of this game. So... I, I just want to call that out because I think it was a super smart setup. You yeah. don't allow them to get in behind, and then they kind of stall out a little bit, and you're like, oh, okay, well, we can deal with this all day. Nullifying Raheem Sterling is is definitely uh, an impressive feat for any team, and it's a group effort. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. But I want, I do want to, you know, I feel like that's, you know, something that we've been able to just like, yep, every match, another solid defensive performance. Um Naz, now we have Ziyech coming in, right? So he obviously you had the quotes from Tuchel about he how he wanted Ziyech to play today because he did well against Atletico and Liverpool. He said it isn't personal when he doesn't play, just that he used to players with different characteristics. He goes on to praise Kepa and Burner. From the attacking three, right? A, an interesting group that we had out there. Timo and Ziyech were essentially one, two at the top. And then Mount was kind of floating in behind them. How did you think it went with them today? I think a lot of us were surprised that Timo got another start, but at the end of the day, we got the result. Can't complain. Yeah, Timo seemed to play provider to Ziyech. She seems to be on the end of everything, didn't he? The um, offside goal. Um, and, and yeah, he, he scored, of course, but he was always in the box, really. Um, find those final moments. It's similar to the Atletico Madrid goal where you know, they, they had that run down the flank and, and Werner crossed it and he scored. And it was very similar, I thought, to the goal against Man City. And they clearly work on that, um, you know, find uh, areas of the pitch to overload. You know, I think that City centre-backs were dominating. You know, if you put in the crosses in the air, um, you know, the kind of players Chelsea had weren't going to compete against those two centre-backs. But the areas that you could hurt them in is down the flanks. And the reason that Chelsea are playing down the flanks as well is that Mendy and, and Jao Cancelo go so far forward mm-hmm. um, and it works for them nine times out of ten. Um, but this is Chelsea, you know, a stronger team. Uh, and I think that, you know, Chelsea used those spaces so well. And Mount was very good as well, at, um, you know, stopping Cancelo because I think you see from the heat map that Mount sort of tended to the left. And we saw him like, you know, Mount was getting kicked from pillar to post by Fernandinho, but he was also in and around... Uh, Cancelo a lot, who's like, you know, potentially City's player of the season. Uh, he's a playmaker. He plays at, at right back. So, yeah, I mean, I thought that was that was very good. But I think Ziyech's role was really interesting because not only did he often play as that focal point where Werner would be in the channels, you know, right and left, Werner. He's, you know, we always see him down the left, but he was on the right as well, putting in crosses. Um, you know, Werner was almost like a winger. But Ziyech was like you know, that out ball. I often found him, you know, when I was watching the game there in the stadium, you get quite a high vantage point. And, um, you know, when Chelsea did regain possession in the midfield or or in defence, um, Ziyech was quickly finding spaces, like in the half spaces, to try and be an out ball, um, you know, in front of the centre-backs. And then usually one of the wing-backs or Werner would would um, make a run down the flanks and, and become that ball. So he was like the link player, as well as being the guy who was, who was finding the final ball, uh, you know, to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, so, you know, he must have put in a lot of running in that game. It must have been a bit tired, but that's what it takes to play for, um, you know, a Tuckle team. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought Ziyech really stood out. It's one of the best games I've seen him in a Chelsea shirt. And funnily enough, it's, it's so different to the way he ever played under Frank. And he was brilliant under Frank Lampard. He's one of the best new signings under Frank Lampard, you know, playing off that... 
um, you know, uh, right wing position, cutting in on his left. But this time it was, um, yeah, more of a more of a unique tactical job, maybe something a bit out of his comfort zone, but he did it so well. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the little details. But really, Chelsea hurt Man City down the flanks. Um, you know, the goal they scored that was ruled out, Werner crossing it for, for Ziyech again. Um, the goal that won the game was down the flanks. So that was the key tactical point. And, and then, you know, Tuchel, he's been sensational as a manager in general, almost flawless. Like the subs were brilliant as well. So, you know, even Emerson, who's not fancied by anyone and nobody wants to talk about Emerson Palmieri. <laughs> um, I thought that was a great sub and, and he he was doing skills in uh, down the wings and stuff. And I was like... This this works and the and the squad likes Emerson as well, so he's a very popular guy. Um and uh yeah, he did he did a good job. Um so yeah, I was I was really impressed by almost everything to do with the performance, but particularly Tuckle's performance as well as a manager. Yeah, it was it was just that you could tell Chelsea had an edge in this game. They did not come out naive, they did not come out slow. You know, you could have forgiven them after well, a long eight, nine weeks now of, you know, maybe coming in as the underdog and letting City kind of get into the game. And, and then at that point, it's pretty much over because we don't have enough firepower to to fight fire with fire uh, with City. But uh, I really, I was very impressed with the mentality of the team today. And I, I think forward to backward, it was just solid. It was no quarter given. You know, you're going to kick us. We're going to kick you. And do you, do you want it? I mean, like, I, th- I think the team proved that they wanted it uh, yesterday, which has not been the case all season. Um, so I'm very, very impressed with the mentality shift. And, you know, look, you, you need that when you're playing teams that are supposedly better than you, right? You, you need to go into these games, you know, just saying, hey, we're going to we're either going to come back with the shield or on it. And I loved I loved the the mentality. I love the approach. And and even then, City still got away with their stupid tactical fouling that they did all game. And it's just wild to me that no referee is prepared to to deal with that. But um, that's just me, Brandon. Are, are, it, well, is, are you talking about City in general or are you talking about Fernandinho, who is just an, an absolute escape artist of any type of carding whatsoever? Like it, a- it, The carding didn't happen on the broadcast. It happened off camera. Yeah, you get a you you get to kick people in the face now. You get to go eight fouls without a yellow. I mean, who does he think he is, Pepe? I mean, this is it's just crazy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, this is what City do. It, it is like the the worst kept secret in the world because they play really nice football most of the time. They are absolute dark arts masters, and they proved it again today. But I'm glad Chelsea fought back. Yeah. Well, I okay. Well, it. It definitely is the team is much greater is the collective of all the parts right than individuals kind of really carrying us think back to like Eden Azar's last couple of seasons where we really we're overly reliant on him to do something much more you know like it's to Nick's point like I think uh, a collective here um we'll just shout out to to Timo Werner here because he is now been directly involved in 19 goals for Chelsea in all competitions this season 10 goals nine assists Three more than any other player for the Blues. Crucial. Thank you, Opta Joe. The problem still being interesting quotes to me, Naz, from Tuchel pre-match about Tammy not being involved in the squad, saying that he has essentially issues with confidence. 
which I'd assume in front of goal, which I find to be interesting just if we compare, because that must mean, if we're following this line of thinking, that Timo has a lot of confidence, albeit a very strong inability to score said goals. So it just is really weird. Nick has been talking about this for weeks, so we know where he stands. But again, to be completely left out of the squad, thoughts, what is your take on this kind of Tammy Abraham, Tuchel thing? Yeah, it's a it's a shame for Tammy. I feel really sorry for him um, in the situation. But like, I also think like this always happens at Chelsea. There's always somebody who's being left out who's kind of high profile, who you're feeling sorry for. And you're like, they probably shouldn't be left out, but they are. And it's just because Chelsea have such a big squad. And, and then, yeah, in Tammy's case, Kai Havertz has moved to number nine. That's another man competing for his place. Kai Havertz cost almost 70 million. So you're going to give him maybe, you know, more chance to, you know, fix his, fix his you know, form problems than you would a Tammy um, and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, Tammy's had the injuries and, and, and things, but I really just think that it's a case of there's too many cooks now in that central striker role and he has to back some people and, and push some people out. I mean, Giroud's barely playing as well. Um, so, yeah, it seems that the young guys, the guys who can press, uh, are really getting a chance. Giroud's pushed out because he's big and a bit slow. Tammy could press and do well. Um, and I don't I don't really see the confidence thing because he has scored quite a lot whenever he's been playing. Um, I don't think Tammy ever lacks that confidence in front of goal, but maybe... You know, you could question some other parts of his game, potentially, um, those elements. But, hey, I mean, Chelsea are a winning team, so why why should they bring Tammy in? That's what I always think. Like, OK, maybe you win, but Tammy gets you even more goals. But um, also, Chelsea defend from the front. A big reason these clean sheets are all happening is because Timo Werner presses really well in this sort of German style of football that we've got now at Chelsea where pressing's a big part of it, cutting off passing lanes. When you lose possession, lose it in the right areas so the other team can't hit you on the break. Um, Werner gets all that and he's been drilled into it from Leipzig. So, yeah, I mean, he might not be delivering the end products apart from assists. Somehow he's become uh, David Silva now. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I think that that's where I sort of see where Tammy suffers is that, you know, he's a young player who's not quite got that upbringing um, in those areas that, that Timo has. And whenever Timo gets praised, it's about his other areas of his game. You're like, yeah, he can't finish, but he's doing a job. Um, he's part of the clean sheets. He's part of, um, you know, the way that, you know, teams struggle against us. So, yeah, I mean, that's the way I really see it. And yeah, Tammy's been a, a huge loser. It's been really harsh on him. But there's always, there's always, Chelsea have so many players. There's always people who get pushed out. So, yeah, I mean, you could argue till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, for Tucker, it's about winning matches and he's absolutely doing it. I don't think he deserves any criticism over the way he's handling Tammy in my mind. But, yeah, I mean, also, the longer you leave Tammy out, the harder it is for him to come back because match fitness then becomes an issue. You know, you've had. A brief period injured, okay. Then you leave him out just because you don't fancy him and everyone else is fit. And now you've got a match fitness problem that if you do bring him in, he's not up to speed. So he's not even showing what Tammy can show. So it's like, uh, you know, a snowball effect. It's so hard for him to come back. The only way I think he'll come back again is from a bit of a few injuries, which, you know, Chelsea have been quite lucky with so far. So, yeah, I think Tammy might have 
even played his last game of the season. Um, and, and teams are starting to get interested in him, in signing him. I know Leicester are. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised. West Ham are looking for a striker. Wolves will be. Um, I think a lot of teams will be looking at Tammy and thinking, let's let's poach him from Chelsea. But um, as long as Chelsea win, it's so hard to complain about um, the treatment of Tammy. I don't know what you guys think on that. I think it's a, it's a tough situation. I think the squad size one is probably the biggest thing. It's not just in the striker position. It's in the midfield, right? You know, whether it's um, Kovacic who's sitting out because of Jorginho and Conte, it's in central defense where you're talking about Christensen versus Silva or Zuma, you know, that it's not an easy conversation, I think, for any of the positions. And, you know, I, I, I do think some of the quotes that, you know, Werner had after the match where he talked about, you know, just having to play in a different way and contributing in a different form this season than what he's done typically, um, you know, he's showing some adaptability and, and he's finding a way to contribute, even though he has had some significant struggles this season in the one area where we were hoping to see more from him, which is in the end product goals. And so, I mean, I think you have to appreciate, you know, what he's trying to kind of accomplish and do too for us. And, you know, he's been, been a part of some decisive victories over the, the past, um, you know, few months here. So, I mean, it's tough. It's just tough, you know, but again, at the end of the day, we're winning, we're in a cup final and we're potentially heading to a second one. And so, you know, I know Nick is probably upset with the short termism about it. Um, but you know, when it's you not, win, <laughs> it's not short termism if at all, but Jake, Cue the Mourinho if I speak clip. And that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, there are a handful of players that we haven't even touched on as we are around the 40th minute mark of this one that deserve it. Just bear with me, everybody. <laughs> Jorginho. J5. J5 Hive. J5 Hive. Naz. Tweeting one of Jorginho, Thiago Silva, Cesar Azpilicueta, and Hakim Ziyech for man of the match for me. All of them were giants. What's so I, I get that one, right? I was kind of confused by your next tweet, so I'm gonna need you to help unpack it for me. What's Jorginho doing today? He has been brilliant in blocking passing lanes to De Bruyne and his number 10 role today. He's only touched the ball 17 times in this half. So I'm I'm confused. Were you <laughs> trying to say that he essentially had abandoned his ball passing duties to just man mark De Bruyne out of the the half therefore he only had touched it 17 times oh yeah yeah De Bruyne touched the ball less than you would have imagined so yeah he wasn't in the game in the first half I mean he went off pretty early in the second half but in the first half I was watching Jorginho quite closely and you know what he does Jorginho is he communicates loads with the the players on the pitch but he's also like oh he's got his head on a swivel so he's always scanning all over the pitch, whether in possession or out. So when he was out of possession, Man City had the ball and their first thought often is to get the ball to De Bruyne for obvious reasons. He's an unbelievable player. Um, but Jorginho was often the man in between the player in possession for City and uh, and De Bruyne because he'd be looking where De Bruyne was and he'd be filling in that spot. And I think that that was a specific tactic. And, and you know, Chelsea had a midfield too with um, N'Golo Kante, of course. And Kante... And Jorginho didn't play next to each other the whole match. There was often like, you know, Kante was further forward and Jorginho was very, very, very deep. Um, and he, he was mostly tracking wherever De Bruyne was going, unless he went into an extreme position like um, fullback or or very wide. You know, Jorginho was there, you know, stopping the ball 
reaching De Bruyne and it forced De Bruyne actually to to find unusual positions to even get on the ball. Um, so I just thought that was that was really good. And that that's something you can't tell, um, you know, every player to do. You have to have an intelligence about you. You know, you have to have a great awareness on the pitch, you know, of, of space and, and other people. And, and you know, Jorginho is a hard player to understand for a lot of people, I think, because he's, uh, you know, he doesn't have that end product. He's not an assist guy. He's not going to score. He rarely, you know, excites you. But in the, in the context of this match, in a tactical match where, you know, you're thinking about the threats, He's he was so good, honestly. Um, he he covers so much ground, and the way he communicates to the other players, um, he's just brilliant. You can hear him even in a stadium as big as Wembley. Um, so yeah, I was just so impressed with. I, I thought a lot of the reason De Bruyne played bad was because of Jorginho, and um, that's huge. Um, yeah, so I thought that that was something worth highlighting because. Um, yeah, he's had a lot of criticism lately and he's been, I think he's been one of the best players since Tuckle came in. I think he's been unbelievably good, um, apart from against West Brom, because the only time he's bad is when teams have space to run in behind him and he's never going to have that recovery pace and he's going to look bad. But if you're controlling the space, then you don't have to make Jorginho run 30 yards to stop a quick Premier League player. And then he becomes a great player and he was a great, great player against Man City. Any Co- any other J five love or analysis or cosine? I, he, right. he was he was all over the place, and it it was a very as Dan, as as Nat said, it was a very specific tactical uh, gamble for Tuchel, but it, it's one that paid off, right? Because I mean, De Bruyne is De Bruyne is a top five player in the world. Um, unlike maybe <laughs> another mention, uh, De Bruyne is unbelievable as a player. And if you can cut off service to him so that he can not make really great passes in behind uh, your back line, that's a really great way to stop City. So uh, incredibly important gamble from Tuchel, and it's one that paid off because Jorginho played well. All right, Dan, we'll bring you in on Mason Mount then. Interesting game, right? Second, I think this is the... Second match in a row, he's been subbed off. Uh, hasn't played the full 90, but when he's been on, been so impactful. Realistically, the glue. Uh, he got the pass into Timo in behind that set up the, the goal to Ziyech. But also, on the end of some very targeted abuse from one Fernandinho. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is where, you know, we, we've talked a little bit on the past couple of so episodes about Mason developing an edge to his game, right? You know, coming up as this future captain and, you know, taking some of these challenges on, you know, the, the ability to stand up after the Fernandinho slide with the studs and continue forward in the attack was super impressive. The lip that he was giving Fernandinho after the, 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 the on face challenge, uh, you know, the ability to turn the other cheek was, was quite good. And, you know, he, he look, he, he, what I actually, I'm really enjoying is his ability to win the one-on-one battles to either move it through the legs to kind of get around on a half turn and to continue to link up play forward. Like he is able to help us in a match where City are going to press. He is so press resistant. And then on the, the flip side, he is so great in his ability to press others and to force others to make a mistake 
Uh, it's been great. It's been great to watch him continue to level up his game, Naz, and put himself in the position to be, you know, the first player subbed off because, yeah, uh, Tuchel's like, oh, I can't I can't lose him for the, the any other game this season. I need him in every single match. Yeah, the fact he's rotated the other strikers, but not him, you know, the, the other forwards and, and Mount stays in. That says a lot, you know, this, this is a guy who's come through the academy um, and it shows that, you know, Tuckle's not looking at it, you know, with, with Tammy, that he's not looking at it just purely from an academy point of view. You know, you can get your head above the parapet. It's not easy, but it, it can be done. So, yeah, Mount Mount's done amazing in that regard. Um, sometimes he's always, I see, you know, the, the other players get the chance to shine and, and get the goals and assists, whereas Mount, he sacrificed himself for the team. And I think that against City, it was a bit like that kind of performance. We can see in the average positions that he's deeper. We can see that, he, um, you know, is tracking Cancelo. He's getting involved in duels with Fernandinho. Um, you know, I don't think Werner and Ziyech were getting involved in those kind of things. They were right up against the centre-backs. But, yeah, that's why Mount sometimes gets criticism. He doesn't get those stats or in those areas. But, you know, that that service to the team should be valued because it's tactically so important. So, you have to you have to have somebody who can do that. You have to have players who do that. And maybe eventually Mount will step up out of the shadow and become the main man who gets to play right up on top, um, you know, in the forward positions. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe he becomes this guy who's your tactical key cog and and you know the the heart and soul of Chelsea. And that might be his future. And and that's fine too. And that should be valued, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the only the only complaint you have about Mount yesterday is he didn't roll around enough to get Fernandinho sent off. I mean, yeah. he has to be more savvy than that. You got to play the game, you know. Um, look, at, he was outstanding yesterday. He was absolutely outstanding. He's been outstanding all season. He's going to be our player of the season, running away, and he absolutely deserves that. Um, he has grown up before our eyes this year in terms of his positioning, in terms of you know his understanding of Wonder Press, in terms of his physicality. I think he's given it just as well as he he gets it now, which is wonderful. Um and and I think that kind of spirit will make him Chelsea's captain at some point in the future. Not tomorrow, not the day after, but soon. I was on a call with Frank Lampard as well, um, you know, last week. So it was quite interesting to see him talking, you know, mm. outside of the Chelsea Chelsea bubble. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously he loves Mason Mount, but he's just talking about how he's clearly gone on to another level this season. And, and you know, you see him developing in front of your eyes and it's beautiful to see. Um, but yeah, he's gone on to a whole new level, really, I think. And um, yeah, the fact he's thriving under a new manager it wasn't a given by any means, but um, yeah, it was it was something that Frank acknowledged. He just said, you know, to him, actually, it was a given because he knows the attitude that he has that underpins it. So if he does hit a, a problem, he'll overcome it. And he did that at the test when he wasn't playing, um, you know, at the start of the season. He managed to force his way in and they couldn't stop picking him then um, because they realised what he brings. So, yeah, I mean, he didn't start for Tuckle, but um, as soon as Tuckle gave him a, a little bit of, um, you know, time on the pitch... It was all about Mount. It was, you know, he was getting the regular time. And there's something about this boy that everyone wants to play him. <laughs> so it's amazing. Well, the Tuchel definitely did the uh, the Frank Lampard thing right after the game, uh, Brandon, where he took him under his, his wing a little bit and was giving him a little stick and they were having a good time. And it it looked it looked like they had a very good understanding about what had just been accomplished, which is good. 
Agree. And then even have that one with Tuko and Zuma sharing a very funny mm-hmm. moment uh, in the tweet above when Opta Joe was tweeting about Tuko's uh, clean sheet record. So clearly uh, Tuko is is creating bonds with a lot of these players. Maybe maybe not Tammy, but understood. <laughs> Chilwell and James, I think just a quick touch on these two. And again, I think it's a it's the appreciation, Nick, that while we probably take it for granted, they are learning a very new position for them. Um, and, you know, even to the point where Alonzo had left wing back on lock, Chilwell's now come in and been like, no, 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 I can do this. I've got this. And again, him and Reese James, you know, was sitting on the press. I, I looked at a lot of those passing patterns, and a lot of times we go Aspie to James to Conte or Jorginho and then back to them. I mean, they have to cover the entire um, kind of box to box in this position and always on the move to create new passing angles. So again, um, just credit to these two for being rocks uh, in these pressure, pressure matches. Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're pressure release valves for Chelsea right now. I mean, the middle of the park, it's so congested uh, that you really need to spray it out wide to, to break press or to, or to advance the ball. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're a huge credit to that effort. And then I think the other thing that I, I look at with them is when one advances up the field, the discipline for the other not to, even though that's probably their first instinct, is really important, right? So you don't leave yourself totally unbalanced. Uh, and so I, I think that was something that Reese struggled with early on in the formation. Uh, in particular, it's like he always just wants to go, go, go and get up the field. But he, he showed a lot of tactical discipline yesterday to stay back when Chilwell advanced and then vice versa. Well, what's interesting, too, is, is there were times where he actually kind of floated more into the midfield type of positions. Mm. And as P was left to kind of go more one on one and that created like congestion, too, where they really couldn't pass through the middle and Aspie also did a great job. Uh, and again, anytime you win against City um, in any fashion or format, pretty much everybody on the pitch probably had a really, really good day. And so we could have spent this entire 60, 70 minutes praising every player individually. Um, but I like seeing Reese kind of slide into a central position. And then I think, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, Chilwell versus Alonzo. I think Chilwell's trying to change the, the locks. He's, you know, Alonzo's going to try the key on the door, and he might not be able to get back in. I would guarantee that Alonzo plays against Brighton. <laughs> guarantee it. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, it needs a bit of a rest. Um, all right. So uh, a kind of a, a – I don't even know how you put this. A random question. question. Yeah, a, a random question, a hypothetical here from Mr. Thurman in our Discord. So Naz, um, he says, where does this half season rank for you among other Chelsea managers is top four in two finals. Again, assuming we lock all of those down, uh, a sufficient miracle with where this team was to claim Thomas Tuchel, a top two to three Chelsea manager performance. If Thomas Tuchel does the impossible double, is this the greatest managerial performance in club history? Um, oh, no. it's been four months. <laughs> oh my Mr. god, I love it. You're the me, dude. It'll oh. definitely be a unique performance in Chelsea's history. I don't think anyone's quite, you know, apart from Roberto Di Matteo, I mean, that would be the one it would be compared to. Um, but you, you fancy Tuckle to keep it going a bit longer than Robbie did, so uh, yeah, I mean, that's where it'd be up there with, I guess, for a short term performance, but I don't know. I think that. 
you know, in terms of, you know, ranking it up there with other managers at Chelsea's history, that's a difficult one for me. I think that, you know, Jose said it pretty painfully at Stamford Bridge one time that Judas is still number one. And I think that for what he's done to get Chelsea, you know, this winning mentality, I still think that that's, that's more meaningful to me. Um, but Tuckle is a short-term manager. It would be number one. It could be number one for um, you know the short-term impacts. It it could be incredible. But hey, Sari went on a like what seventeen-game unbeaten run. So um, yeah, I mean we got to be careful about getting too excited about things. But yeah, I mean uh, in terms of who's done a blinder, the Chelsea board will be totally vindicated on the the painful decision that we we've spoken about before that. You know, Frank Lampard out, Tuckle in. Maybe Tuckle was a unique opportunity and they had to go for him. And maybe, you know, you're looking at maybe clubs like Man United, maybe they're the ones who missed out on on this kind of manager. And there's probably others you could talk about as well. So yeah, what a what a brilliant manager. It's been nearly flawless for me. I've been so impressed with everything. And he's funny, which I don't know how somebody in football can be funny, but he's got that. Uh, well, you, you got to have a sense of humor, and Mr. Thurman's really bringing a sense of humor to this question, which is good. Um, Hoping for a bite. He's fishing. Man, I, first of all, the fact – here's why I'm never going to fall in love with another Chelsea manager again. The fact that you can have a qualification for a half-season performance is hilarious. Like, that is so funny to me. Uh, but no, uh, even if he does win the same trophies as Robbie, he'll never surpass Robbie. Like – it just first. it will it, it will never it will never happen like that that miracle run that we went on with that team with those players he will ne- like it, it will never happen it's not to say that he won't be like 1b you know to Robbie's 1a but th- it will never happen um also as Naz said it's Mourinho Mourinho did it twice at Chelsea like it's that's almost impossible to do when you think about it to ha- to have success in a and a second time around, like your your relationships where you break up with someone and then get back together never work out. So, um, you know, look, I I I I like Tuchel. I think he's done an incredible job. It's hard it's hard to to go against him on many things. You know, I have one little bugaboo, but that's about it. And I just you know he'll he'll be an incredible manager if he can pull this off. He's clearly brought something that the squad needed. You know, so good on him. All right. Well, Dan of the match time, sir, I relinquish duties over to you. Yeah. Uh, so again, it could have been 11 players on here. Uh, it could have been everybody on the pitch absent Mike Dean, who just, you know, wow, what, what a day he had. Mm. Uh, but Hakim Ziyech wins with 49% of the vote. And Golakante, 20%. Mason Mount, 17 Ben Chelwell, 14 Yes, I know Jorginho wasn't in there. Sorry. Yes, I know Asby wasn't in there. Sorry. But again, it's a great win. So <laughs> you could have had eight people in here uh, and maybe somebody wouldn't have been happy. But that's okay. It happens. I mean, it's it's definitely setting yourself up for failure every single time. But we appreciate 100%. you making making that sacrifice. Uh, Naz, any complaints with Hakim Ziyech being the, the Dan of the match? I don't care what the FA Emirates man of the match said. No, as a as a half Moroccan guy, I've got a I've got a back Ziyech, so yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy, but I did think Jorginho would have been a shout as well. Like I loved his mm-hmm. performance. Maybe maybe got to be there to appreciate Jorginho sometimes. Well, he he did the dirty work, right? Not nothing fancy, but he was able to provide the cover that let the attackers go do the attacking, right? I mean, it it yeah. happens. 
Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, he was Bonnie to, to Ziesh's Clyde, probably. And <laughs> Anthony Taylor won't be refing the final, people. So, so look, we have a real chance now. <laughs> so who do we want next? Since you just touched on it, uh, this one is from Stephen Osborne saying, Lester Southampton. I mean, it's, it's that's got to be easy, right? Uh, I don't know, man. Hey, we want Southampton. We did you, not you, you play want, well you want against Southampton them. Just because every extra time you have to play a team, so that would be the third time we play Leicester in, in the this season, and we also have to play them still. Like we are, we're done with Southampton, right? Like we're just bringing them back in for one match. I don't want to have to think about playing Leicester twice between now and the end of the season. I would rather just play Southampton. Once. That's it's the right answer, but I, I I think I'm thinking back to that second Southampton match, and they were really really tough to play against. I mean that we should have won that match, I think pretty convincingly, but they press like crazy and it's not, it is not comfortable to play them. I think it, it might be a little bit more comfortable style wise to play Leicester, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you probably want Southampton. Yeah. But Leicester got Frank Lampard sacked. They did. Well, <laughs> it was a series of events leading up to that. They got Frank Lampard sacked, <laughs> yeah. but, but we right. still have, we still have redemption against them in the league. So we'll be all right. Um, really interesting. We're just going to end on real quick lightning round NAS because we got some questions from, from Discord and social. Gabriel says, if Tammy and Billy aren't in Thomas Tuchel's plans, is it likely they'll get sold in the summer? I think that loan for Billy, I can't see him being sold. I think that Tuchel does like him as well. It's just, um, yeah, he's very much like the fourth man in a two-man midfield. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's quite far out of the picture. They're playing too well as well, the other guys. Um, so loan for Billy, I reckon, um, and Tammy. Yeah, I'm really thinking he's going to be sold right now, and I think Tammy will push for a move as well. Um, you know, you can't you can't sustain this. This is not sustainable for his career. He's too good. I mean, he's missing out on the Euros now. He would have he would have loved to go to the Euros, but it's it seems impossible that unless he plays every game from now until the end of the season and does pretty well. It seems like that Euro's dream's gone and other players, you know, Ollie Watkins who came from nowhere and Aston Villa striker, he could be the one who gets called up. So yeah, it's tough to take, I think, um, for him. Um, but he can quickly rectify it and there's gonna be a market for him. Um, so yeah, I think that teams are gonna be looking at Chelsea trying to find a bargain in this in this window. So I'm gonna be so interested to see how Marina approaches it she's not going to be giving away bargains by any means in the transfer market so yeah i mean you're thinking barclays also on the probably on the transfer list this summer and and stuff like that so yeah there's a lot of those kind of players that could go but for billy his future at chelsea still i think he believes he can do it and uh, i believe he can do it as well all right so then next one being excuse me should we be worried about Bayern going after Tuchel as a replacement for Flick? And this is coming from Eric on Twitter. This is all pretty fresh because I believe Flick just announced he's not going to be returning as Bayern. Um, the understanding be he's going to go replace Yergi Lowe at the uh, at the national team. I think the strong room is Nagelsmann's going to go to Bayern, but Bayern also have never really been that interested in Tuchel, which is a bit of a strange. Um, one, but it's because of his reputation in Germany. Um, a lot of the sporting directors he's worked with over there when he was a bit of a younger manager found him hard to deal with. 
Dortmund, he fell out there and he fell out with the guys at Mainz as well um, when he was over there. So, yeah, I mean, Tuchel's reputation in Germany, weirdly, is not as high as it is in France and and, and now the UK. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that Bayern uh, are so, so interested in him. And also the agent involved in bringing Tuchel to Chelsea is the agent of David Alaba, who's pushing Alaba out of the club. So that's another thing that I think works against uh, Tuchel ever going there. And, and of course, Tuchel's so happy. He wants to he wants to succeed at Chelsea. He's been, I think he's absolutely over the moon with how things have gone. Um, and he even said that he'd be happy to work with this group of players if they have a difficult transfer market. He's he's happy to keep going with this group. And, and you know, a good coach has shown, you know, that they can improve players. So, um, maybe you know Chelsea could still compete even without transfers, but I'm sure when push comes to shove and numbers are talked about, he'll be like, "Can I have? Can I have as much money as possible to <laughs> <Of> sign?" <course. laughs> of course, which is fine. <laughs> now, yeah. um, do you think, uh, given the success, like let's say you know he wins one of the two trophies, let's say he wins the FA Cup, maybe not the Champions League, gets the top four finish, what do you think the odds are that? the 18 month contract gets a, an extension so that, you know, he's got more kind of security for beyond just next one next season. Yeah. I think that's very good. I'll definitely be on red alert around that. And I think actually the contract has, has some um, clauses in that add an extra year. So if he reaches certain landmarks, um, then it automatically renews. And I think that that's, that's how it works. So yeah, it's quite a complicated deal. Um, I don't think everyone really truly knows the details of what that entails, but I think top four and trophies are a big part of it. So yeah, expect announcements, news and stuff like that. I think even, even this summer, I think there might be, might be something where we find out at the end of the season. So I might actually put that in my diary guys. So just be like, (laughs) ask about this at this date. Um, It's all about timing when you ask the questions. So yeah, good point. I think that we will, we will see something. I'm pretty sure of it. So yeah, I mean, Tuchel spoke about his future after the after the FA Cup game, and um, yeah, he just said that he's got no he's got no thoughts of leaving, and he, he really wants to um, you know as long as he's successful, he can stay at Chelsea, and he will be after staying at Chelsea as well. But he he's he's also totally honest that he has to be successful all the time. He can't he can't let up at any one moment. So yeah, I think that that's the situation really there. It's an 18-month job, guys. Uh, for everyone listening, this is an 18-month job. Don't That's get too what... attached. Yeah, nope. Nick's, Nick's disclaimer. <laughs> nope. Uh, no, I mean, that is the average manager stay over the last 10 years is 18 months. So. I'd be surprised if it's, it's that long, to be honest. Yeah, I think we, we did the math when Frank left uh, in, in December, and that's kind of what we pulled out. And, you know, Naz and, and Matt and all, all of our journalist friends have kind of been like, yep, yeah, yep, that's about right. <laughs> so uh, last one for you, Naz, speaking of, of good old Frank, uh, you just talked to him. We just found that out live on this episode. So is there an interesting nugget that you, that you can share with us or that you pulled out from that interview that you were like, huh, he's doing all right? Yeah, I think he's doing all right. It was in his family home and his kids were running around and stuff. So, yeah, he's got another one that's just arrived. So, yeah, his family's growing, which is nice. He seems happy and comfortable. So, yeah, I think that in terms of his next job was quite interesting. So I think that he he wants to go in club management, but it'd be quite interesting if he gets offered the England job because, you know, England could be really bad 
in the Euros and uh, Southgate could get sacked and, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I don't know if he could turn that down, but I think the England and 21 job, I think that that's something he's turned down already. Um, actually, I'd, I'd like to see Jody Morris get that job um, because mm. I think he'd be unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I think that it, he wants to work in club management near London because of that family reason. Um, Palace could also come up for him um, because uh, Roy Hodgson's expected to yep. leave. So um, there's a big rumour around that as well. Um, he's already turned down some jobs, probably, I think, Championship and um, under-21 England. So, um, yeah, it'll be so interesting to see where he ends up. And, uh, you know, you've got to think that this is a manager who still could be on the rise. So, uh, yeah, it was great. And he spoke really great about Reese as well um, uh, and stuff like that and, and Kane and, and the way he spoke about the England players, admitting that he, wouldn't, he wanted to sign Declan Rice um, hugely uh, for Chelsea. No, uh, what a surprise. <laughs> yes, I mean, <laughs> none of us ever reported on that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that was basically the crux of it, but it was nice, nice to see you. Good. All happy and well. Yeah, that's good. That's, I appreciate that. Um, gentlemen, we have reached our time limit. This is. Oh, we don't really. It's a soft time limit. And we have gently reached it, Dan. <laughs> the listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us. But all credit goes to Naz, sir. Thank you for hanging out with us. It has been a pleasure. Yeah, awesome to be on as always, and and see your lovely faces. Oh, that is the power of Zoom. Uh, continue to uh, put out the good coverage. Everyone out there on Twitter, go thank Naz for jumping on the show. Obviously, follow him. Uh, goal.com, um, just in-depth, reliable, constant coverage of Chelsea. Naz doesn't let anything slip by, which is great. So, again, go follow him if you aren't. Otherwise, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, more pods this week, as Nick said early in the episode. So, uh, let's uh, start off the week in a, in a great mood. Let's keep the positive momentum run rolling. We got Brighton on Tuesday. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs> <laughs>